I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health, fitness, and well-being space to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. The show is brought to you by my company, Body Shop Performance. We create total solutions to optimize your health by focusing on sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. We work with busy professionals on a one-to-one basis for six or 12 months using the latest science and technology. And Body Shop also work with businesses who want to create a culture of energy, vitality and performance and position well-being as a competitive advantage. Find out more at bodyshopperformance.com and enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Spencer. This week, it's a solo episode, and I want to talk to you about the 10 things I do pretty much every single week that enable me to have really good blood results, good levels of functional, physical, mental fitness, general overall really good well-being. And it's taken me a while to get to this point where I've got this blueprint, if you like, this health blueprint, but I have it now, and it generally keeps me really fit and well. And I'm going to share with you what those 10 points are. Now, some of these are going to be things that you can do straight away when you finish listening to this podcast. Some of them require a bit of investment, for example, sauna. But in the main, there are things that with a little bit of disposable income, which most of my audience have to some degree or another, you could replicate this. And I'll talk a bit about the benefits I get from it and specifically how I feel on a fairly regular basis in terms of my sleep, my mental health, my energy. But let's get to it. Before I start, I want to point you in the direction of our website, which is bodyshotperformance.com. And if you scroll down, you'll see what's your health IQ. Click on take the test and it's going to take you through to a very short three or four minute questionnaire. There are 24 questions in there and there's basically four questions on sleep, four on mental health, four on energy, four on body composition, four on digestion and four on fitness. And at the end of that, you'll get an overall score and a highly personalized PDF report sent through to your inbox, giving you a ton of advice on how to improve some of your lower scores. So it's called the Health IQ Quiz, and that's a great place to start to find out where you should be spending your time and energy in terms of your health. Right, so to my my 10-point health blueprint, if you like. First thing is three times a week structured exercise sessions. And I am really, really non-negotiable on this, unless of course I'm ill or I'm really run down, which doesn't happen much anymore. I'm really clear on these three structured exercise sessions a week. And for the last few months, I've tweaked a little bit what I do. So the first thing I'll do, which I did today, I'm recording on a Monday, is I did a really hard and heavy, or on a weekly basis, I do a hard and heavy exercise session up at Miguel's Boxing Gym. So the first part of that one hour session is pad work. So pretty fast, you know, decent pad work. Second half of that session, I'm doing a weight session. So I'm doing a lot of squatting all the way up to 70 kilos, sometimes heavier, sometimes lighter and more reps. We mix it up and I'm alternating that with bench press bench pressing, well, one rep max is a 52 and a half kilos, but generally in the 30 to 40 kilos. I'm then doing some lifting with this bit of kit called a squire. For those of you who don't know the squire, it's an amazing bit of kit. It's a 80 kilo, but you can get different weights, square object, and you stand in the middle of it 
and it's got straps at the side and you can hold straps at the top and you hold these straps at the top and you deadlift this weight up. I love it. It's a really, really decent workout, you know, 10, 20 reps of that and you're sweating and you're breathing heavily, your heart rate's jacked up. It's one of my favorite things to do in the gym. And it's also got straps around at the side so you can flip it as well. So you can do squire flips, so you can do deadlifts. So we do that and then we finish on a bit of ab work. Now I was doing that twice a week and I decided a few months ago just to do that once a week, but go in there and go hard and heavy every week, hard and heavy, hard and heavy, unless of course, you know, I'm not feeling great or it would be beneficial just to go in and do 60, 70, 80%. And you've always got to have that adaptability and that intelligence. Don't always go hard and heavy. That's the goal and the weekly consistent objective. But if I'm not feeling great, I dial it down. And that's really, really important. So that's session number one. Session number two is what I call fast and furious. And that's a spin class down at cycle. We're going to be getting ourselves a Peloton bike very soon, but I will probably still maintain that weekly cycle class, even though I have to go down the road or relatively speaking, a few few stops on the train because it's a sense of community there. So not only am I going fast and furious, if you like, so it's a, it's a spin class, you know, it really gets your heart rate up, but it's also a sense of community. You're riding in a group of riders where everyone's moving in the same direction, you've got that interaction and that energy that you're pulling out from the instructor and from each other as well. And I absolutely love that. Now a Peloton bike, for those of you that don't know, is a bike that's um, a high-tech bike, similar to you'll find in really good spin studios, but you have it at home or in our case in our outdoor studio. And you can basically sign up for online classes led by these really experienced spin instructors based all over the world. And you're riding with a, with a community of people virtually. So that's that's going to be a lot of fun because there's times when I haven't got time to get down to a spin class, but I would have time to go into the studio and just do a 30 minute or a 20 minute class. So number two is Fast and Furious, and that's a spin class. And then the third session I do every week is an animal flow session. And that's a new part of my routine. So animal flow is a body weight training pattern. I interviewed the creator, Mike Fitch, on the podcast recently. So go back just a few weeks and download that episode and have a listen to Mike talk about what animal flow is. And that's my third session. So that's pretty intense. It's body weight. You know, you're on your hands and your feet the whole time. But it's also stretching. It's flexibility. It's really good for the parasympathetic. So lifting heavy weights is very sympathetic dominant, which is the fight, flight, freeze part of the nervous system. The spin class is very sympathetic dominant, although they do bring you down gently at the end of the class. Animal flow is a little bit more parasympathetic promoting. So it's better for the nervous system, if you like. It's flowy. It can be done on your own. You haven't got music. It's certainly not furious and fast and no one's shouting at you. So they're the three things that I do every week. So it's three exercise sessions and that is a key part of my health blueprint. If I'm feeling good and I've got the capacity, I'll do a fourth session or maybe even a fifth, but it's unusual. I've figured out, I know from my genetics that I need 36 to 48 hours of recovery. So three sessions a week with that, that day in between or day and a half in between serves me really well. So that's number one. Second thing I do is have a sauna between three and five times a week. So we have invested in an outdoor infrared sauna which is at the back, at the back of the house. And it's a one-man sauna. And I go in there, as I say, between three and five times a week. And the infrared sauna has got a myriad benefits, including detoxification. So you're getting in there and you're having a really good sweat. It's good for stress and fatigue. It's good for muscle aches, arthritis, joint relief, 
weight loss and calorie burning. So it speeds up your metabolism and it obviously it gets you sweating. It can increase your metabolism. It's very good for the immune system support, good for skin conditions, good for heart health, even the appearance of cellulite and even, in fact, diabetes support, which is something I wasn't that aware of. I'd have to look into that. But it's great to get in there and get sweaty. And heat is a hormetic stress. In other words, in moderate amounts or the correct doses, it makes you stronger. But you wouldn't want to sit in there for hours on end or you'd be toast. You'd have severe physical problems. So it's really good, I think, to get in there three to five times a week and just get hot, almost uncomfortably sweaty. You know, I'm really watching the sand timer for the last 10 minutes, wishing it away so I can get out of there and just stand in the cool for a bit. So that's a key part of my routine as well. To go back to those, those exercise sessions, what I do now is I take amino acids. I take five grams of amino acids before an exercise session and five grams afterwards. So I'll do this every time I do a hard and heavy session or a fast and furious session. I don't do it for the animal flow. I'll also take five amino tablets. They're a gram each. I'll also take those if I need the booster recovery. So last week I had a very intense day, starting with a hard and heavy exercise session and then an entire day of lifting, carrying and moving and climbing up and down stairs. So I took five grams of amino acids at the end of the day just to help boost recovery and repair. And that's become a new part of my routine as well, making sure I'm doing everything I can to recover well from exercise sessions. And the amino acids are a part of that. Other things that I'll do for recovery, daily meditation, which is point number four. So I will meditate for 10 minutes every single day. Now, that's been my more or less consistent routine for the last three years or so. And I find that there's lots of different ways you can meditate. There's a lot of guilt around meditation. You know, people think, oh, it just doesn't work for me. Is there something wrong with me? Am I missing out on something? I've tried going longer in meditation, so maybe doing 25 minutes, which compared to what some people are doing isn't long. But I have found that it's more beneficial to me and it happens on a more consistent basis, which is the key thing, if I just do 10 minutes, but I try and go deep, not wide. In other words, I'm not looking to go longer. I'm looking to get more deep into that meditation. So I use an app called Calm, calm calm.com. I have used Headspace in the past. I've used Oak and I've used the Moments feature on the Ura app for those of you that use the Ura ring. But Calm is the one that I'm using at the moment for various reasons. They're all pretty good. In fact, there's a ton of meditation apps and meditations you can find on YouTube as well. So find the one that works for you. And all I do is sit there in an upright position with good posture and I will close my eyes, breathe very deeply and be guided through the the daily calm, the 10 minute meditation. And I really like that. It leaves me feeling more calm, less reactive, a little bit more in control of my emotions relaxed, you know, from top to bottom, I've got this little tingle of the body relaxing. And of course, you're, you're really activating the vagus nerve, the, the parasympathetic nervous system when you meditate. And I do think it's something that pretty much all of us should be doing. When I deliver workshops to corporates, I'll talk quite a bit about meditation and to try and dispel any myth that it's really for, for yogis or for very chilled out people, people with a lot of time on their hands, et cetera, et cetera. And I give them some examples of people who attribute a huge part of their success to their 10 year plus meditation practice. And those people are Rupert Murdoch, Mark Benioff of Salesforce, Ariana Huffington, Russell Simmons of Def Jam Records. Who else we got? Oprah Winfrey 
is a transcendental meditator. So they're not particularly some of those fir- the first two, or Rupert Murdoch, people you would necessarily associate with meditation, but they do, and they have done for at least a decade. So I do think it's something that we should all be thinking about doing or making time for. 10 minutes isn't a huge chunk of time in the grand scheme of things. Tony Robbins, the great life coach in America, said if you haven't got 10 minutes, you haven't got a life. We've all got 10 minutes. We choose to spend it doing perhaps other things. So I'd encourage you to think about doing something that is meditative. And that's the key. It doesn't necessarily mean replicating what I do, which is sitting upright or what other people sit in the lotus position. Find something that is meditative. It could be walking. It could be knitting. It could be indulging in another hobby that's relaxing and soothing, coloring in, for example, or just being quiet. There is a bit of contention as to whether that's really meditation, but if it's meditative and it calms you and you get good benefits from it, then it's a good thing. It's a great thing to build into your schedule. So that's number four, daily meditation. The other thing, point number five, is fortnightly or at minimum monthly massage. So I have an agreement now with our local masseuse, who's also an osteopath, we pay on a monthly standing order. So we pay for two massages, myself and my partner and business partner, Antonia, and we'll, we'll take it in turn. So we'll have one a month each. Sometimes one, one of us will, will get both massages. It's something we've just set up, but I'm, I was really keen to do it because I think when you pay in advance for something like that, it's up to you to then use it. So you're compelled to book in a massage every two weeks. And it's the sort of thing that can get bounced, isn't it? You know, I think I'll go next week. Next week's not looking great. I'll go the week following. You book one, you phone up, you cancel it because you realize that something else needs to happen. And actually, if you're paying in advance, the onus is on you to book them every couple of weeks. So we've kind of boxed ourselves into a corner with it so that we we have to book a massage every two weeks, which I think is a, a nice position to be in and a fantastic problem to have. You know, how am I going to fit this massage in? But the benefits of massage are well known. You smooth out muscle fibers, get knots out, release tension, feel relaxed. There's, you know, some, the contact of human skin and the physical contact can be really really good for boosting the parasympathetic nervous system and just relaxing the entire mind and body. So I'm a really big fan of massage. So that's number five. Number six, almost is the one I should have started with, which is I need to get, or it's my goal to get between seven and eight hours of good quality sleep every single night. So as long as it starts with a seven, I'm pretty happy. So if it's a seven hour and two minute sleep, I'm going to be okay. If it's seven hours and 59 minutes, I'm going to be even better. But it isn't just it starting with a seven. I also want to know because I track my sleep using wearable technology. I also want to know that I've had a good amount of REM sleep and a good amount of deep sleep. I don't just want a five hour light sleep with a bit of REM sleep peppered in. I want a good amount. In other words, 20 to 25% of my sleep should be REM and 20 to 25 should be deep and the rest of it's light sleep, which cycles us in and out of the deep and REM sleep cycles. And I know that, that when I have that kind of quality of sleep, everything in life is easier. I've got the energy I want. My mind is clear. My mental health is good. I have the drive and motivation to get things done. I make that a priority. And the way I do that is I have a routine every evening I follow. It's not complicated. And it's what we call our sleep staircase. It's a set of metaphorical or literal steps that I take to ensure that when I get into bed, I'm parasympathetic dominant. My mind is quiet. The body is ready for sleep. 
And some of the key aspects of that are light. I control my light exposure in the evening by wearing blue light blocking glasses. So about seven or eight o'clock, um, we're recording in mid-February, so, you, so you've got some sense of seasonality. I'll be putting the blue light blockers on and winding down, making sure I'm not getting exposed to bright, harsh light, whether it be from the overhead lighting. We're in a relatively new house and the, the lights are super bright. Whether it's from the TV or a tablet or my smartphone, I'm controlling that light. I'm also controlling the temperature of the room. So the radiator is always off in our bedroom. And sometimes I'll open a window. So I walk into the bedroom and think, oh, it's cold in here. So that it's, I'm always cooler than the room I'm walking into. And that's, that's kind of how it, it needs to be. You need to be cool in order to, to fall into sleep, deep restorative sleep. So they're two of the key things, temperature and also light exposure. And the other thing is I'll just, I'll unpack my mind as best I can. Try and, and not worry about things, maybe do a bit of meditation in the evening, make a to-do list to unpack the stuff that didn't get done so I can hit the ground running in the morning. That's probably the most important thing. If you've got a cool bedroom and you've got the light under control, but your mind is racing, you're still not going to sleep well. So number six is all about sleep. And I'm really, really focused on making sure I get a great night's sleep as best I can, as often as I can. Number seven is supplementation. So there are a number of, a small number of supplements that I'll take every single day starting in the morning with a symbiotic, a pre and probiotic. And I use a brand called Seed, seed seed.com. I don't have a discount code for them. We need to probably arrange that. But I was put onto them relatively recently by Antonia. So every morning on an empty stomach, I'll take my pre and probiotic. And it's one of those where it's very hard to quantify what effect it's having, except that my digestive health feels like it's pretty good in all the different ways that you can measure it. So that, that's a, a staple in the morning. And aside from the amino acids, which is also supplementation, every day I'll take a couple of tablets of krill oil, primarily for cognitive performance and omega-3s. So I'll take that for the essential oils like DHA and EPA. I'll also take a couple of, of capsules of antioxidants to help combat the release of free radicals in the body. And I'll also take a couple of 5,000 international units. So two, two and a half thousand IU tablets of vitamin D, vitamin D3. We're obviously not getting exposure to the sun in anywhere near the amounts we need to at the moment, being the time of year it is. Even if I'm outdoors a lot, I'm just not getting enough D3. And I know genetically I have a raised requirement for D3. In other words, I don't have the genes that do a really good job of extracting D3 from food or synthesizing from the sun. So I supplement and they're my, basically the ones I take. I will cycle in and out of taking oral magnesium. So there's some magnesium tablets downstairs that I'll take every now and again, but I don't take them on a regular basis. And I'm, I'm not sure what effect that they're actually having. So when they run out, I'll probably leave them. So it's a daily pre and probiotic, antioxidants, krill oil, and vitamin D3. They're the, the supplements that I'm, I'm sticking with. And that's not based on guesswork. That's based on genetic testing. So I know I have a raised requirement for antioxidants. I know I have a raised requirement for krill oil or fish oil of some sort. And I now have a raised requirement for vitamin D3. Now you can get those from food. So I do eat antioxidant rich foods and I have a, a diet rich in dark leafy greens. 
I do eat fish twice a week, but we're not really supposed to eat it any more than that because of the, the mercury and the metal content, which sadly is, is the case. And you just couldn't eat enough food containing D3 to get anywhere near enough, even if you did have a normal requirement. So it's literally a supplementation to a good balanced diet. So that's number eight. Number nine is around step count. Now it's a slightly arbitrary number, the 10,000 steps a day. And you know, it, who knows how many steps one really needs to take, but I have a, a goal set to set inadvertently by Vitality Health of 12 and a half thousand steps a day. Now, if I have a quick look now, it says 13,126 and today's been a relatively sedentary day. I mean, I was in the gym this morning, dog walk this morning, but then mainly in the office. So getting up and down, but not a lot. So usually I'll get up to about 15,000 steps, but on a day when I'm not walking the dog or on a day when I'm going into town delivering workshops, so I'm on my feet, but I'm not really moving. I might struggle to do 10,000. I really have to focus on that and go take the dog on a longer walk when I get home. So it's not an easy number to hit if you're a commuter, for example, in a car, or if your job requires you to deliver workshops. So you're standing in one room for hours on end, but not really moving. So 12,500 steps, as I say, um, it's to Vitality Health. We basically have our health and life insurance through Vitality. And their app requires you to do 12,500 steps a day, which means you get eight points. And if you get 40 points a week, you get subsidized iWatch, subsidized coffee from Starbucks, free Amazon Prime, etc. So that's where the 12,500 target comes from. It's not something that I've set, but it's a pretty good target because you do have to do a fair amount of movement to hit 12,500. And that's an absolute non-negotiable. I won't let a day go by unless I'm having a real recovery-based day and I don't need the movement. I won't let a day go by when I don't do that many steps. So I am quite a fan of step trackers. I think it does give you a reasonably good idea as to how, how active and mobile you are. And at the end of the day, we just weren't designed to do frenetic bouts of activity and then be relatively sedentary. So for example, someone that goes to the gym or class in the morning, but then sits at their desk most of the day is almost, you know, four, they're really only 4% less sedentary than someone who does nothing at all. And that 4% being simple, you know, if you're active for one hour in 24, that's 4%. So it's a slightly glib number, but it does kind of illustrate that we were designed to move on a consistent basis. The pattern of ancestral movement, as I've talked about many times before, which is our ancestors wouldn't have sat around. They wouldn't have gone hunting, dragged something back to camp and said, that's me done and sat on a rock and sharpened instruments for the rest of the day. They would still have been up and about foraging, scurrying, seeking water, looking for food, picking berries, picking nits out of each other's hair, washing instruments by the stream, going hunting, being hunted. They'd have had a real blend of movement, what we call daily life movement. They wouldn't have been sedentary for long periods of time. And unfortunately, we've become that way. So I, I think the step count, providing you're not bashing 12,500 steps out in one fell swoop and then sitting down all day, is a good way of measuring daily life movement. So that's number nine. Number 10 is around eating. Now, I don't have any particular rule around the quality of food. Well, we do in the sense that it's all where I can, locally sourced, organic. So if I'm buying it, it's locally sourced, it's organic. I don't get bent out of shape if I'm going to a conference or someone's house and I won't ask about the provenance of the food because I consider that to be rude. I'll just eat it or eat the bits I want to eat. 
But when it's when it comes to me cooking at home or us cooking at home, it's locally sourced and it's organic. So yeah, in that sense, we do have some rules. But the main thing I wanted to talk about is point number 10 is the concept of intermittent fasting. And what we do is we, generally speaking, follow a rule where we eat in an eight to 10 hour window and then fast for 12 to 14 hours. So that typically works like this. Uh, tonight, we'll eat dinner very soon, actually, at 6.30. And then I won't eat anything again until at least 8.30 in the morning, possibly a bit later. So I'm having between a 12 and 16 hour fast, normally around the 14 hour mark. So that will make breakfast for me 8.30 tomorrow. And there are several benefits to this. There's cellular detoxification, there's autophagy, which is cells cleaning themselves up and slothing off dead cells. It gives the digestive system a break. It can be quite energizing. It doesn't work for everyone. So, you know, you need to try this and, and see how you get on with it. But it does work for quite a lot of people. And I think for a lot of us, we overeat. We eat too much food when we're eating and we snack in between meals. And what I found is if I stop eating at, let's say, 7 p.m. tonight, I don't do any snacking pre nine o'clock when we might watch something on TV. I won't grab some cheese or chocolate from the fridge because I'm fasting. So there's a little bit of calorie restriction potentially as well, and it can be used as a weight loss tool. But in the main, this is about energy. It's about digestive health. And that's one of the things I love about it. And it also keeps things simple. You know, you, you just, you have a late breakfast so you can get up and get some stuff done in the morning, get a bit of fasted exercise done. If you go out, walk the dog with just a coffee and, and, and no calories inside you, you know, you're, you're in a relatively fat burning zone. So I'm a, a big fan of intermittent fasting, lots of different variations. I have heard through good sources that 16 hours is quite a long fast for women, but can work well for men. But at the end of the day, all this stuff is personal. So try the fasting, see how you get on with it. Try a number of the things that I've talked about. I mean, sauna, if you belong to a gym and you have a sauna, get in there and see if it makes you feel energized at the end of it. Try the meditation, get some structure in around your exercise definitely be gunning for seven to eight hours of sleep a night. And if you're a very active person or an athlete, nine to 10 hours even, think about supplementation, but don't do it blindly. Take some tests, whether it's a DNA test or a blood test or a gut test. And I'll put links to all of this and everything else I've mentioned as well in the show notes. So you can click around. If we've got discount codes, I'll provide those for you as well. But the key thing here, the key takeaway is structure and structure leads to consistency. And once you get there, you know, you do these things day in, day out. I, I take the seed probiotic supplements as soon as I come downstairs because the bottle sits by the kettle. While the kettle's boiling, I'll, I'll neck the probiotics and that's it done. So you put things in places where you easily remember them. And getting really connected to how each individual thing makes you feel. The massage makes me feel great. Therefore, I ensure I, I do it uh, in every fortnight. The step count, I feel great when I'm moving, so the step count's not hard to, to do. The intermittent fasting, I feel more energized. I find eating in a short time window much better, so I carry on doing it. Sauna, sometimes it's hard sitting in a sauna, particularly in the summer when the sun spent the day you know, shining through the, the cabin, through the window, and then you get in there and it's already hot, and then it heats up the next 20, 30 minutes. It can be really unbearable, and I think that's a good thing to practice as well. It's Every every time I get in the sauna, certainly in the summer months, I'm getting into my discomfort zone because I want to get out before the sand time has run out. So every time I do that, I'm practicing resilience. I'm practicing enduring. 
And I think there's there's a lot of practical elements and practical application of that as well. So write down your blueprint. You know, what is it that you want your week to look like? What is it that that when you do it, you come out feeling great, great sleep, great mental health, great energy, good body composition, healthy digestive system, good overall fitness, fitness for the rigors of business, fitness for the rigors of daily life. So that's it. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please share this with anyone you think could benefit from it. That's probably the greatest compliment you can pay us in exchange for this free content that we put out twice a week. That's it from me. I want to thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you very soon. Goodbye. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, www.bodyshotperformance.com and click on take the test. It'll take you through to a short two to three minute test. And at the end of that, you'll get a scorecard and a free 39 page report based on our six signals, sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please think of someone who could really benefit from the content and hit that share button and send it across to them. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. Thank you very much for listening.